Rundown is a show where four Catholic men opine on current affairs of the world, on matters of faith, culture, and politics. It's unfiltered, it's daring, and it's certainly unapologetic. The Rundown is a weekly news show. But it's more than that. It's a family of like-minded Catholics who are preparing for the coming chastisement. We cover church news, politics, and current events around the world, linking them in a way no one else does, giving you the perspective no one else can. The Rundown is not meant for children because it informs and prepares parents, young adults, seminarians, even priests watch The Rundown to know about the most pressing and evolving threats to the Catholic faith today. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com This is The Rundown. The Rundown is the most watched, least trusted Catholic disinfo hour out there. Well, Ryan is off spreading skizzy disinformation in Dallas tonight. We're joined by Dr. Anthony Stein, who joins us for Returning to Tradition, or Return to Tradition, uh, one of the largest traditional YouTube channels there is. Busy news week. In fact, guys, I hate to break it to you, too busy for a standard intro. With Pelosi and Biden solving inflation by printing $2 trillion uh, in new currency, Liz Cheney comparing her loss, her defeat, to uh, Abraham Lincoln and Teddy Roosevelt combined. The Fed's opening the closed door <laughs> by, te- by the Texas National Guardsmen. And the groomers taking on the offensive at one of the nation's premier surgical centers. We really have no choice. We have to get right into it. Gentlemen, good evening. Thank you. Welcome to the program. You know, for those in the comments section who are a little bit annoyed that they didn't get their cat this week, James, back me up, man. We gave them like 16 cats last week. You got your cat fixed last week. Get over it. I don't it. want to see any more cats anywhere. That's just it. <laughs> I'll give you one cat. Okay, yeah, we're done. Thank you. Now, at this point, Stein's thinking to himself, why do I, I agree? I think, Dr. Stein, you you only come on the rundown when I'm not around. I think this is one of the first times you're here with me, and now you're like, what? This is not my thing. I watched the rundown, so I expected cats, honestly. <laughs> you expected cats. Oh, man. What are you, gay? <laughs> All right, gentlemen, tonight we have to get, uh, well, we have lots to get to. Top story tonight, Liz Cheney compares herself to Abraham Lincoln. We must be very clear-eyed about the threat we face and about what is required to defeat it. I have said since January 6th that I will do whatever it takes to ensure Donald Trump is never again anywhere near the Oval Office, and I mean it. This is a fight for all of us together. I'm a conservative Republican, I believe deeply in the principles and the ideals on which my party was founded. I love its history, and I love what our party has stood for. But I love my country more. So I ask you tonight to join me. As we leave here, let us resolve that we will stand together, Republicans, Democrats, and Independents, against those who would destroy our republic. They are angry and they are determined. 
but they have not seen anything like the power of Americans united in defense of our Constitution and committed to the cause of freedom. There is no greater power on this earth. And with God's help, we will prevail. <sighs> okay. Uh, she's now on a sacred mission from God, Dr. Anthony Stein, return to tradition. Liz Cheney on a sacred mission from God to do one thing, to stop Donald J. Trump, the 45th president of the United States, from uh, attaining the White House again. This is her new reason for living. She will be able to spend about as she'll have as much influence stopping him from getting the White House again as any other civilian here in about two months. And I'm fine with that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, to your point, she'll be totally forgotten, Brother Martin. I mean, we have a we have a short news cycle in these United States. And frankly, from from her defeat on Tuesday night to now broadcasting live on Friday night, uh, nobody cares about Liz Cheney anymore. It's been like three days and she's gone. Absolutely, and I think everybody was was expecting this. This is not, this is not a surprise in any way, shape, or form. If there's any surprise, is the fact that she actually was voted out. That in one sense, it seems that democracy in some cases actually does work. Uh, I think that's more more the surprise than Liz Cheney was voted out. But I think um, what's more shocking is is still people are are actually on the Trump train, so to speak. I think in the past several weeks here on the rundown, we've we've shown exactly. Uh, the, in a sense, some dangers that, that Trump poses, at least from the Catholics perspective of why maybe, uh, I mean, we shouldn't all be so raw, raw excited about him at the same time. He's absolutely, absolutely. It's no contest between him and Biden. I mean, what Biden has done to this nation is absolutely despicable, um, hurting the middle class, approving more, more tax increases for, for the middle class. Um, while, while not for the, for, for the, for those who make over $400,000 a year. So from from one perspective, I mean, yeah, she, she's she's bogus. But um, from another perspective, from our Catholic perspective, we shouldn't be so quick to jump back on the Trump train. Isn't this, though, James? I mean, OK, isn't that a false dialectic, though? Isn't that a false dichotomy between like, OK, I have to either choose Trump or Biden? I mean, Biden is so fantastically bad. So so. Uh, I mean, it's almost I mean, it's beyond uh, obvious that he's trying to destroy this country. Isn't he just throwing us into the arms of Trump? I mean, isn't his Justice Department with their with their fake raid on, on Trump's house? I mean, that put him back on the map. It was DeSantis country until that happened. Now it's now it's Trump. I mean, doesn't it just seem like they're all like like this whole Liz Cheney thing even too is feeding into the narrative of like we have to have Trump? Well, I mean, you know, the. Uh... People in Congress right now, the uh, uh, Boberts and uh, uh, what's her name, um, Congressman from Georgia, and a few others. There's certainly um, uh, Matt Gates, especially. Oh, Marjorie, Marjorie Green for Pope. Somebody told yeah. me that Marjorie Green should <laughs> right. be Pope. Um, right, right. Somebody, yeah, Green. Yeah. Somebody who runs uh, a, a failing uh, <laughs> shrinking news network told me that. Sorry. Right. So these people are certainly, um, you know, rooting for a second term of, uh, and, and, you know, it, that was interrupted, you know, in, in their. Uh, imagination, of course. Uh, we know the election was stolen from from Trump, obviously. But um, I think for someone who is not even able to stand on his his own two feet and say, "I was wrong about the vaccine. I was wrong about pushing a lockdown. I was wrong about so many things uh, in 2020," and to make that amend to the American people who who were ready to stand for him. And, and I mean, listen to the, to this. The American people already knew. The FBI was a runaway train. Uh, the Democrats in Congress were cheating. We are already knew this. And we were expecting a commander-in-chief to stand with us 
to say we are not going to allow this to happen. And what exactly happened after that uh, November voting cycle is basically a lot of uh, back and forth and eventually a concession by Trump and walking away, uh, worse followed by the January 6th uh, event, so to speak, which now people are in jail and nothing's happening. You know, so if we're hoping that Trump is going to be the person to come back to the White House, right all these wrongs, um, he hasn't really done much except to 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 uh, to put himself in the position of getting, uh, you know, the, the people uh, interested in a second run rather than helping to right the wrongs of the constitutional violations of his supporters. Um, and I, I think this is where DeSantis is more effective because DeSantis actually puts action into the words that he speaks. You know, and people clearly see this apart yeah, from him putting on the yarmulke and going to the wall. You know, I don't have any complaint. <laughs> they all do that. They all do that. Yeah. That's okay, the one thing have, both parties we, agree on. Do we have right, to have right. a Brother Martin moment? I want to keep talking about Trump and the DOJ and uh, sort of uh, go around one more time about that. But I want to I want to actually invite Tucker Carlson to join the rundown for the first time. He's he's with us today um, via satellite connection, of course, and he's talking about uh, that the the Biden DOJ and really the level of corruption that we have never seen with this Trump raid. Certainly not the stereotype. In fact, it's hard to believe that he voted for Donald Trump. We don't know. And it doesn't matter. We do know that when Alex Berenson started to post fact-based challenges to the lies Joe Biden was telling about COVID and then the COVID vaccines, the White House commanded Twitter to silence Alex Berenson. And Twitter soon did that. And we're not speculating about what happened. There are written exchanges that prove what happened. We're going to talk to Alex Berenson in a minute about the details. But the point is, this is illegal. No American government is allowed to collude with private business to silence its critics, period. That is an unambiguous violation of the First Amendment. It's also a violation, of course, of Alex Berenson's human rights. And yet somehow this slipped beneath notice. The New York Times didn't write about it. Why would they? On some level, you understand because what happened to Alex Berenson has happened to many, many, many critics of the Biden administration in the past year and a half. They have been censored. They have been silenced at the direction of the White House. Think about what this means. These are acts of aggression and hostility aimed at Americans. No American president has ever done this. No American president has ever explicitly declared war on his own population. And yet for the Biden administration, it's a near weekly occurrence. Here's Joe Biden and his attorney general, Merrick Garland, telling you that white supremacists, in other words, Trump voters, because that's what they mean when they say white supremacists, a term they've never defined, White supremacists, Trump voters, are the single greatest terror threat the United States faces. In the FBI's view, the top domestic violent extremist threat comes from racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists, specifically those who advocated for the superiority of the white race. According to the United States intelligence community, domestic terrorism from white supremacists is the most lethal terrorist threat in the homeland. 
So not to be too literal, but this is on some level a news show, that's a lie. None of what you heard is true. There's not a single statistic or piece of credible research to support what Biden and his attorney general just said. Again, all of it is a lie. The truth, as usual, is the opposite. These are the people who created the crime wave America is suffering under, and now they're blaming you for it. And for good measure, they're disarming you because you cannot be trusted with guns because you're too dangerous. And just in case you missed the theme here, they're hiring another 87,000 armed IRS agents just to make sure that you obey. Got it? Got it? Is it clear? Okay, lot to unpack there. But the very first question I had, and I'll kick this over to you, Dr. Stein. Actually, anyone can answer it. But what exactly is the white race? I'd like to know <laughs> what the white race is. It, uh, are, are you a member of the white race, Dr. Anthony Stein, Returns Tradition? I guess according to our benevolent rulers, I am. Um, I know that ethnically I am predominantly English and German. <laughs> so, um, but you know, you don't hear a lot about German Americans or English Americans anymore. There has been a very careful program to get everybody into various tents based on their skin tone, in the, especially the last 10 years. I am old enough to remember when in this country it looked like people were, I wouldn't say getting over the race issue, but it wasn't as heavy of an issue as it used to be. And then something happened, uh, something involving a kid with a can of tea, uh, tea and some Skittles, and then a president of the United States getting up there and fanning the flames of what happened after that caused that to radically change. Yeah, I'm old enough to remember when that happened. That was very eye-opening, watching mm -hmm. what happened. And especially how some people got who you would not have expected to get red-pilled on that got red-pilled that early. Yeah, Trayvon Martin, Trayvon Martin could have looked like one of my sons, uh, said Barack <laughs> Hussein Obama, which I'm like, that's actually not true. You guys look nothing alike, but you're just, you're just relying on the white race to just think that all black people look the same, right, James? I mean, like, <laughs> because it's true. No, it's, it's true. I mean, what, what's, even, what's even funnier is sometimes I'm accused of being part of this white race, you know? And in their own in their own uh, language, on their own terms, uh, anybody who disagrees with their version of reality, which of course is not reality at all, uh, is considered to be a uh, you know a bigot, you know. And we remember all remember that first incident of uh, the newly minted uh, president, uh, newly elected president uh, Obama, going going on and on and on about uh, some. Uh, uh, disturbance i think it was around princeton princeton university uh some professor was stopped outside his house and uh refused to show identification when he was entering in that uh that property and of course this led to the beer summit so these idiots uh often make uh fools of themselves when they get in front of camera without knowing the facts as was the case with the trayvon martin incident and various other incidents uh kyle rittenhouse and i can go on and on and on uh through the years that Democrats have shown themselves to be uh, behind the eight ball, but is is it truly something that they they know, uh, or rather that they don't know they're doing? I, I think they're doing it intentionally. Um, the the ammo has always been to stoke race uh, wars, so to speak. However you want to you know uh, understand that, uh, there's always some sort of uh, unsettled ground on, on which we're we're standing because people make. Uh, always are willing to make something of things that are not anything at all. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the society in which we're living. Uh, people just want to to create such uh, instability and such uh, uh, 
you know, uh, forced uh, disparity, you know, of rights, you know, against, uh, you know, uh, in society rather. Uh, and that's I mean, people get stoked by the media. They get stoked by politicians. And, uh, you know, it's uh, happening more and more. I just I just find myself to be so confused, Brother Martin, because uh, most people say, oh, well, the white race is Western European. OK, well, so are Italians white? Are Spaniards definitely white? not Sicilians? Sicilians are not white. Sicilians are Sicilians are Arab, and we know that because there's a Sicilian <laughs> who watches this show, and he's an Arab. Uh, but no, I mean, real, realistically, Brother Martin, you've lived. I mean, you're of Spanish descent uh, yeah. via uh, you know Central and South America. Uh, you're uh, you're you've lived in Italy. You've lived in Rome. Yeah. Um, would you consider yourself to be white? Would you consider uh, Italianos to be white? I mean, are they part of the white race and therefore a domestic terror threat? Are Italian Americans on the domestic terror list, according to uh, this, this <laughs> DOJ? What's interesting is that we don't we don't have to look farther than even just 100 years in our in our own history uh, to back to the 1920s in the United States to see all the different. Um, is ethnic groups, but ethnic groups related to specific nations and, and all the different, um, I guess, battles or separation, segregation that happened even between white Europeans that were immigrating to the United States. Um, when I was with the, the last religious community that I was with, I lived at a parish that was the German national parish. And it was literally one block away from the Irish national parish. That was literally one block away from the Croatian National Parish. That was also one block away from the Slovenian National Parish. Why? Because these these nations, they, these people didn't agree well with each other. And so in one sense, white, which was, spans from, from Spain, I guess, all the way basically um, to the Czech Republic, Poland, Slovakia, all, Eastern Europe, um, they, they also didn't agree with each other. They were, they were fighting each other. They were fighting each other. And so when we group them all together um, in the United States, it's completely and totally ignorant. Uh, in, the, in the 18th century, 19th, 20th century, um, white, white in the United States was understood as the wasp, the white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, basically Anglican. Um, because, I mean, you had, you had a lot of Irish Americans that, that fought, that fought for, for the southern side in, in the Civil War. You had them also in the northern. Um, but it, they, they were also segregated into their own military segments because they couldn't just infiltrate in, in the entire military. So even in the military during, during the, the civil war, those of particular nations were, were, were given their own units because j- just like the African-Americans um, in the civil war, they were given their own units because people didn't mix. They didn't mix. There, there was segregation absolutely everywhere. So the fact that right today that we just group everybody in as, as to white, um, as, as it's, it's ignorant of history. And it shows that we're just trying to eliminate history, just like taking down all the statutes. Um, but but as for me, I mean, both my parents are from Mexico. They were born in Mexico. They immigrated to the United States. Uh, yeah, I'm Mexican. And is there Spanish blood in, in my in my DNA? Sure, absolutely. Um, but people would still even maybe call I've been called coconut. Coconut is a term for people like me. You know, brown on the outside, white on the inside. Chicano. Why? Because, why? because I'm Catholic. That's what makes me white on the inside is that I'm Catholic. Oh, boy. Yeah, you're Chicano, Whoa. right? <laughs> Whoa. You're saying if you're Catholic, you're white on the inside? That's what, what they're implying, James an Oreo cookie? That's what they're implying. Oh, man. And, and, and let me just uh, uh, interrupt here to, to basically back what Brother is saying. Of course, from my standpoint, being 100% uh, purebred African, you know, uh, coming uh, from nation in Africa, Nigeria, such a place, for instance, hosts 
maybe 250, even, you know, maybe up to 300 tribes. And we don't agree with each other. We're all, quote unquote, black on the outside, whatever that means. But we look at each other with suspicion just because, you know, the cultural differences are there. Right. So color is not a thing. You, you know, it's uh, uh, it's just a it's just a way uh, that people use to uh, maybe perhaps uh, corral people into doing something or believing a certain set of uh, beliefs. But that holds no sway in a country uh, like Nigeria, for instance, and in most part of Africa. You know, you respect your tribe, you respect. you know, And, and most of all, if you're Catholic and you're from a particular tribe, then once again, you are, you know, factioned off. You know, so people don't don't now see you as somebody who's 100 percent this tribe. They see you as uh, somebody who has been infiltrated by, you know, by the white man's religion, you know, mm-hmm. a.k.a. you're Catholic. Well, that's a problem. You know, you don't necessarily now speak for us uh, as tribesmen. Now you're speaking for some other some other entity, some supreme entity or deity. And so now you have to be ostracized even more. And this is the problem, uh, you know, various people of uh, different tribes face in, in yeah. Africa. So no one looks at a color and go, oh, you know, you black people, you know, here and there uh, across the length and breadth of Nigeria. It's it's impossible to use such language. It's it's now it's reduced to the tribes here, the people who share these cultures, these people. And that's how much of the history of the world through the history of the world. All this has been looked at. It's only today in 21st century. Um you know, that we basically try to classify everybody by color, which is the dumbest thing I've ever uh, come to experience. Well, yeah, if you do it by color, it's like I've met some pretty fair skinned Lebanese people. I've met some pretty fair skinned Persians. And and what do we even make of the Jews? Are the Jews white? I'm going to send him to outer space to find another race. Don't be a Trump supporter in Portland. I know, Dr. Stein, you've been in Portland before. This is what happens, uh, well, in Portland. Portland. Um, there's a shooting of a Trump supporter recently. Awesome. Um, <laughs> I don't think I've heard of another Trump supporter being shot. So the f- what? He got shot. Is he alive? Uh, I believe he died. Oh, tough luck. Don't be a f- Trump supporter in Portland. They're wow. still wearing masks. <laughs> No, she. <laughs> I, that there's there are reasons I left Portland. I saw that stuff coming before it actually did. I I've told the story to people privately. I don't know if I've ever told it online, but um, I was sitting in a, a dorm room in college, waiting to take a job to move for a job here in Oklahoma. The job that brought me here, and I was watching an Infowars video where Alex Jones's people were interviewing. Uh, people who had been engaging on a riot near the university campus. And I recognized the people from my own like student leadership days there that who were engaged in the rioting. And Alex Jones was the one coming off there as reasonable compared to listening to those people. And that was when I knew I needed to get out of Portland. And uh, thank God I was able to get out of Portland. It's the place, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I know people there who are convinced to this day who that Antifa wasn't the ones trying to burn the courthouse down. That was Patriot Prayer. That was the Proud Boys trying to burn because that's what the news locally said. That's what the the Marxist leadership of the city said. To, to give you an idea how bad it is in Portland, normal people who hated Ted Wheeler were forced to vote for him for mayor because the person running against him was an actual Antifa candidate for mayor. <laughs> that's how bad it is in that city. I, I, 
I came to this realization recently where there were several elections in that state that should have gone towards like the, all the polling data said a Republican was going to become governor and it didn't happen. And I'll just say things were that, that would that in hindsight, it makes sense now, <laughs> you know, after the last few years, it makes sense, but um, they have the most corrupt governor I've ever seen anywhere. Like makes Rod Boglojevich look like a decent guy. <laughs> and she right. was worse than the previous corrupt governor who was the most corrupt governor I'd ever seen. It's just, it's, wow. it's, it's, a yeah, party she loved COVID. Did. She really loved COVID. That was her favorite thing. Uh, speaking, speak, we're speaking of Oregon too, and the, you can speak to this as well. There's a huge divide between East and West. Eastern Oregon is full of uh, normal people that really just want to join Idaho uh, and the coalition of free people. Until their flower plants start burning down in eastern Oregon. Fire is burning at the Pendleton Flower Mills Company in eastern Oregon. The Pendleton Police Department says it reignited from a smaller fire that started last night. These incredible pictures were put out by the police department's Facebook page about five hours ago. They say the worst of the fire is over and they are monitoring hotspots. Of course, we'll update you here on air and on coin.com when we get more information. Point six. Super, super unfortunate, James, that this keeps happening to major food processing facilities, either for wheat or for meat or for dairy or whatever or whatever it is. Yeah, it's, just, not, it's just really sad. Yeah, it's, it's really unfortunate that uh, these things have been going on for uh, four or five months now, uh, back to back. And it's never, uh, you know, it's, it's never a, uh, I don't know, like a Monsanto factory or something like that. You know, Monsanto is getting bigger and better and uh, they're. They're uh, harvesting all these uh, seeds and they're making them their own and they're putting, uh, you know, uh, 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 what's it called? Um, uh, these numbers on them uh, through, through through the government and uh, sorry, uh, patents, what I was thinking about. They're putting patents on their seeds. And so if you if you have your seed or uh, rather if you have their seed uh, on your land, uh, maybe the wind blows uh, their seed into your land, uh, then they can sue you. And shut you down, you know. And uh, yeah, it's remarkable all these coincidences, uh, and uh, no one's asking any questions. Cattle dying, uh, fields burning, uh, factories burning. It's 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 absolutely, uh, you know, something that uh, I'm scratching my head over. Somebody posted like a snack from like uh, Whole Foods or uh, or Sprouts or Natural Grocers or one of those uh, hipster places, Brother Martin, and on the ingredients in the snack. It had literally had crickets and other bugs in there for, for protein. They're sneaking bugs into your snacks already if you're a hipster, and you probably don't even know it. I missed the grocery store this was coming from. Was it like Whole Foods and Trader Joe's? Or Yeah, yeah, it was one of those places, yeah. <laughs> These places where you go to, you know, to get organic and all that kind of stuff. This is where the dual-income, no-kids uh, people shop, you know. Exactly. <laughs> or, 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 or the single parents, or otherwise, if you live in Ferndale and work at Church Militant, this is where you shop. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, it doesn't surprise me. that People are getting used to it, trying to convince the taste. There's commercials now with celebrities like Nicole Kidman saying, mm, look at these bugs, they're delicious. I think we showed a clip on, on the rundown before. Yeah, my, my taste is too sensitive to, to be able to handle that kind of stuff. I mean, uh, <laughs> I just won't eat bugs. I'm not eating bugs. I gave up cricket flour for my for uh, St. Michael's Lent. 
But does that mean that I have to eat cricket flour on Michaelmas? Is that what is that, that a sacrifice, Mike? No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> don't you have to? Don't you have to consume the thing that you gave up? Isn't that how it works? <laughs> hey, like, be careful in the chat. If you say you're fasting from something, you're, eventually you're going to have a feast day coming up. Right. <laughs> oh man. Hey, speaking of uh, speaking of how based and uh, and crypto Catholic the United States is. Here's the lieutenant governor of uh, of Texas. By the way, Texas is a weak governor state. Back to your civics class that all of us uh, had to take. Dr. Stein can actually uh, lecture on this, I believe. Uh, but many states in the United States are, are what's called weak governor states, where the governor actually doesn't do much. The lieutenant governor has all the power. Texas is one of those states. This is Dan Patrick, who is definitely white. 95% of conservatives believe in God. Okay? 95%. 72% of Democrats believe in God. Only 67% of liberals believe in God. And sadly, only 60-some percent of young people believe in God. We were a nation founded upon not the words of our founders, but the words of God because he wrote the Constitution. He empowered them. We were a Christian state, and we've been blessed because of that for so many years. Based crypto Catholic, God wrote the Constitution. Dr. Anthony Stein, Almighty God, the God of the Catholic Bible, wrote the separation of church and state. He did that. Amen. <laughs> hallelujah. Uh, I was not aware that this that that we should be putting the the Constitution in the Bible, but there are editions of Protestant Bibles that have the Declaration of Independence and Constitution in them. Wow. Yeah, oh as if God. they were like God breathed scripture. Although coming from people who routinely will amend their teachings that you know that way and who felt it was okay to rip books out of the bible because their adulterer founder said hey you know i don't agree with this doesn't agree with my theology adding things to it is just the next logical step and what better thing to do than to put freedom of religion and you know all the other nonsense that it, that runs afoul of the faith in their document in their uh, version of the bible itself that's true a quick correction too if i was just getting too excited for 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 the teaser for the lead into it if ipsil uh i can't read your name sorry it's a little fuzzy for me <laughs> she's right though separation of church and state is not in the constitution that was in the 1802 letter written handwritten by then president thomas jefferson to the danbury baptist in which he described those famous nine words quote a wall of separation between church and state which the 1947 Everson court then radicalized and flipped on its head. Jefferson meant the wall of separation between church and state to protect this, the church from the encroachment of the state. In Everson, 47, they flipped it. And uh, now the law of the land since 47 with that radical court, uh, which is eclipsed by this radical court now, of course, uh, uh, in every generation, it gets even more, uh, more uh, radically empowered since Marbury. Uh, but post-Everson, 1947, Wall of separation church and state is now meant to protect the the state from the church. Mm -hmm. It's to bar the church out from the state because the state really is the religion. So you're right. You're right. But what is in the Constitution, the based crypto-Catholic, got to grind on uh, my skateboard with the Virgin Mary on it, James. Uh, this crypto-Catholic nation of ours is you have the right to be wrong. You have the right to blaspheme. You have the right to say any damn thing you want to, right? That's Catholic. You don't have a right to blaspheme God. You don't have a right to blaspheme his mother. You don't have a right to blaspheme the church. Nobody has a right to do uh, wrong, you know, because all these things are objectively wrong. 
you know, uh, and uh, once you start allowing for these things, then society definitely falls down. And yeah, no laughing emojis or CM will definitely sue you. So, <laughs> you know, but, but seriously, th- th- this is a problem because uh, we all want to move forward as a society. But if we keep allowing concessions and, you know, we start worrying about the exceptions, then that, that's where we fall into heavy, serious trouble. Because God is not a God of concessions. He's not a God of, you know, the exceptions. Uh, I hate to interrupt you, but we have it under good authority that he is a God of surprises. <laughs> <laughs> exactly and there's no such right. thing as a Catholic God. Yeah, the, right. There's no <laughs> such thing. I know. And word has it we're supposed to have a Muslim pope, apparently, according to this. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Right. So, so, so the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, uh, wrote the Constitution of these United States, uh, Brother Martin, and... Um, and we should basically treat the the constitution of these United States. Look, for me, I, like I would be happy if if this government was constrained by the constitution. If they could at least act constitutionally, that would be a step in the right direction. I wouldn't knock that. But I mean, we have to. I mean, I mean religious pluralism uh, is fake. It's it's not real. It's 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 of the antichrist. It's it's Freemasonic. Uh, the, the whole thing. We got to toss it out eventually. What always cracks me up. It always cracks me up is that what the typical American loves about the Constitution isn't the Constitution itself. It's the first 10 amendments of the Constitution. The fact that it needed to be amended almost immediately after being promulgated, almost immediately after being you know, given as a Constitution. The amendments are what people tend to, tend to love. The First Amendment, the freedom of speech, freedom of the press. Uh, second Amendment, of course, the right to bear arms. It's the amendment. And so the first thing that happened, if, if the Holy the Holy Ghost wrote the, the Constitution. I mean, the first thing that happened needed to be done is that human beings needed to correct it. And so they gave us the amendments. And then, of course, throughout the centuries, we got 20-something amendments now. Um, that's the reality. I mean, Holy, Holy Scripture was never amended. I mean, unless you're Protestant. Um, but the, the fact, well, I guess that's probably why there was a Protestant guy up at Wait saying a second. That, Something just clicked in my mind. I think you're a genius, Brother Martin. You just put this together. The reason why these these gun-clinging, Bible-clinging conservatives down in Texas, well, they love the U.S. Constitution, and they love amending it, is because their beloved uh, Lord and Savior, Thomas Jefferson, amended Holy Scripture, didn't he? He, he, he did a line-item veto on it. He did a line-item veto. I get it now. It's all connected. <laughs> now, y'all just leave my their president, Thomas Jefferson, alone. Y'all a bunch of racists out there. You know that? Oh, man. Speaking of races in Texas, let's go to the southern border. What you're witnessing here are, uh, well, this is a private fence on private property that is being guarded close by the Texas National Guard. Uh, What you don't see in this video, but what eventually happens is that the United States Border Patrol shows up and opens the fence. In other words, the feds contradict what the state militia is trying to do in keeping its citizens secure from undocumented migrants. Is this the precursor to the Civil War, Dr. Stein? If one comes, it'll be on the laundry list of things that causes it. This is, there is no logical reason for a government to open its borders to non-refugees, non-legitimate refugees, unless there's something else going on. And 
there are certain things that you know you shouldn't say on this platform <laughs> that uh that our betters on the secular left in the state have been telling us is the real reason that they're doing these things and you know it's it this will be on the list of things if it ever comes to that i hope there's a political solution i'm not a vote harder guy i kind of think that ship has sailed but you know i guess we'll find out here in about 12 weeks and again in about two years yeah uh, uh funny comment from joey in texas joey's a great guy man he says good news they'll all be in new york next week i love this program james that uh abbott has come up with where he's he's just shipping these guys to new york city new york city i mean and they're really uppity about it too they're like they're like you you're you're sending them here they don't want to come here you're this is this is inhumane you're putting them on these buses for three four days and abbott's like well, here's all these signed agreements, releases from every single one of them who says, I want to go to New York City. I understand I'm going to be on a bus for four days. This is this is an act of my will. Some of them got off halfway through. They're like, hey, I actually just want to get to, uh, I don't know, Nashville or whatever, wherever, you know. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, all right, let them come in, but they're not going to be Texas's problem. Yeah, you know, and, I, and I, absolutely. I mean, I, I would applaud that as a, a really remote secondary uh, excuse. But, you know, I, I'm wondering what sort of uh, constitutional powers Texas has, you know, uh, as a sovereign state to uh, push back on this, you know, from this mandate from the federal government. You know, why why are they acquiescing to it? You know, uh, do, do, do they not understand uh, the American voters there, especially those people at the border, uh, are not going to be happy with that. Uh, people just crossing over. Sure. And then you're spending uh, taxpayer dollars to ship them to uh, New York. Absolutely. I agree with that. <laughs> you know, you're getting away, them away from the state of great state of Texas. Um, and those people who are uh, more, more likely to uh, force uh, your state to accept uh, these migrants are the people living in cities like New York City, uh, uh, Detroit, Michigan, you know, the politicians in, in D.C. We should definitely take these people up there to New York, to Detroit, to D.C., to Oregon. You, you were saying you want migrants. Absolutely. You know, uh, we'll, we'll uh, get these buses filled up and we'll send them your way. Um, but I, I wish there were a way to, to definitely uh, kill this whole thing from the very uh, start. You know, uh, people should not be crossing over and expecting uh, our government to support their efforts uh, at uh, trespassing and, uh, you know, basically uh, breaking perfectly legal laws. I mean, a thing is defined by its boundaries. I mean, a thing the way you define a thing partly is by what it is and also by what it is not. And right. therefore, it's the boundaries of a thing that defines right. a thing. How right. can you describe a nation or a people? How can you describe uh, a glass of whiskey or a pipe? Without describing its limitations, its boundaries. That's the meaning of definition. Uh, right. You cannot have a definition if you don't have definity. <laughs> if you but, don't have boundaries. You're sounding like you're, a, you're sounding like a Christian nationalist, Mike. Are you? Uh, are you? <laughs> I, well, I've I've been accused of far worse by a fake news organization. So uh, I'll I'll take whatever label they want to give me because I'm going to defeat them in the court of law and it will be a stunning defeat for these idiots. Okay. Uh, mother earth is getting angry at us though. Did you know that the only thing you have to do to placate oh, mother man. earth, according to Nancy Weinbach's Pelosi is just pass some legislation. How can they vote against the planet? 
Mother Earth. Mother Earth gets angry from time to time, and uh, this legislation will help us address all of that. The legislation will help Mother Earth not get angry at us, Dr. Stein. I, I never knew it was that easy. At least they're being open about their Pacamama worship at this point. Because <laughs> that's literally what that demon's name means, is mm. Mother Earth. I, I'm amazed at the very concept that we can save the earth by giving the government more power and more money to spend it on things that are not related to, to the environment. That strikes me as an amazing claim that they're making, let alone the rather amazing claim that human beings have put out carbon at an amount less than one major volcanic eruption in, mm. the, in the last century, and that is somehow destroying things. That's, it's an amazing claim. As a guy who wrote a doctoral dissertation on sustainable development policy, I found that the underlying logic completely insane. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think all of us, maybe Brother Martin, I'm not sure, but all of us were alive when Mount St. Helens blew up in Washington State. That put out more carbon than the Industrial Revolution. Uh, uh, what so year was that? That was, I don't know, that was in the late 80s. It made oh, the yeah. early 80s. It was early 80s. That was, early 80s. That was early 80s. Was it, was, it early was 80s? Yeah. yeah. It was like 1980, 81, something like that. Yeah, it was well, 1980. Was it 80? Yeah. yeah my, my stepdad's house was had a, in, in Oregon had, you know, something like a foot of ash on the ground in front of it from that. Uh, right. Yeah, and uh, But now uh, you have to eat the bugs because, uh, you know, uh, producing meat uh, causes so much cow flatulence let alone all of the waste uh in the processing of that a lot of carbon guys just eat just grab the bugs out in your backyard and eat them that's what they want that is what they want and you'll be happy <sighs> what's interesting is uh just a quick note on these uh, bugs uh, something interesting came out last week i don't know if it made the rounds on twitter but there, there was a gentleman i don't know if his his uh background but he speaking from a scientific uh perspective he was talking talking about how there is a reason why animals uh eat bugs and not humans because there are certain uh elements in bugs and insects that humans cannot digest fully uh and uh he then said you know uh there's a problem if we're trying now to make crickets into future food for humans rather than uh you know keeping them as food for lower animals and, uh, you know, I don't remember the full extent of his uh, uh, posts or his video, uh, rather, but it's been making making the rounds. So what's uh, the, the government James, telling you let, you have to eat bugs? Let's be honest, though. That sounds like fake news, because what, what we know is that things like canola oil and sunflower oh, oil, yeah. those are that's that's real food. The human yeah, body is designed to digest seed oils. Yes. Seed oils for the body. Yay, Monsanto. Seed oils, right. have, seed oils have only been part of the human diet for the last century, and you can perfectly correlate the rise in heart disease with yeah. the rise of seed oils in the food. It's been right. it's been done by researchers. Right. Absolutely Speaking right. of the rise in heart disease. Uh, but she's had the flu for 14 days. Should she get a flu shot? Well, no. If she got the flu for 14 days, she's as protected as anybody can be because the best vaccination is to get infected yourself. And so she should if, not she get it? if she really has the flu, if she really has the flu, she definitely doesn't need a flu vaccine. Oh. That one didn't age well, Dr. Fauci. That did not age well. <laughs> and you know, you know who is actually telling the truth now? Life insurance, actuaries, they see the tables. They see what's happening. And one of them spoke out on 
regional news in San Diego. This is incredible. We're probably going to get booted for this one, but enjoy it while it lasts. U.S. life insurance companies have reported an overwhelming and unexplainable increase in all-cause deaths among 18 to 49-year-olds. Along with that, there's also been an increase in certain medical diagnoses, such as miscarriages and Bell's palsy. Here to give us her take on the new data and what she believes could be causing the rise in numbers is emergency medicine and disaster specialist, Dr. Kelly Victory. Dr. Victory, good morning. Great to talk to you as always. Good morning, Jason. Thanks for having me. Okay, we want to make sure that anytime we talk, we want to make sure the information that we have is accurate. So let's start this interview by telling us, I've, I've seen your correspondence here, what is the source of the information that you're about to present? Well, this information became uh, available to me or on my radar last week following a hearing with Senator Ron Johnson, uh, who was looking at sort of what he calls a second opinion on the entire response to the COVID pandemic. The medical data was released by three career military physicians who got the information from the military database that collects what we call ICD codes, which are the diagnosis codes. And these physicians had a feeling, they believed based on their own observation that they were seeing a significant uptick in certain conditions. So they actually went- But we're not gonna tell you why. We have to take it off of YouTube. We can never know why this strange, strange, uptick in all of these things, heart disease, miscarriage, blood clots, Bell's palsy, they even said. I'm not sure if you can say Bell's palsy on YouTube or not. Whoa, we have a- They're caused by climate change. They're caused caused by climate change, didn't you know? Climate change causes Bell's palsy, and Adrian is stream bombing us for the first time on the rundown. Adrian Fonseca? Fonseca, that's right. Praise be to God. Adrian Fonseca. He's a radio host. He's a radio producer. He's like he's famous in the Guadalupe Radio Network. Well, he does. He, he definitely doesn't have a face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> and no, my my dad told me when uh, the first day I got the job, he was like, you know, I always thought you had a face for radio. So there you go. <laughs> I did. <laughs> leave it to leave it to Latino fathers to be brutally honest honest with their children. <laughs> always, always count them for that. Praise be to God. It's uh, it's always the the honesty between my mom and dad, just the best part of it. Absolutely, Adrian, you're in that age group of, of fourteen to fourteen to forty nine. How's your ticker these days? <laughs> my ticker's great. Uh, I haven't been uh, in any kind of let's say the V word, so that's uh, keeping me safe from any kind of that uh, concerns with my heart. Let's just say. Uh, to try to keep. I don't know YouTube. what you're talking about, but uh, but but does Catholic Drive Time endorse your uh, your your unwashed and unclean status? <laughs> oh no, I was about I to keep, ask Adrian, uh, are you going to get fired time. because you're on a stream with me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Guadalupe Radio Network, praise be to God, is uh, not making us take the vaccine. Like three different times because we were talking about the vaccine uh joe mcclain our host for the catholic drive time show has been a huge um and i just said the word whoops my bad but anyway, i know the uh the the drug he's been an anti for a very long time this is what you make me do adrian this is what you make me do to save you from yourself 
<laughs> All right. Sorry. Go ahead. Unmute your microphone. Just don't say the V word. Mea culpa. <laughs> mea culpa. Mea culpa. Immediately, I realized. I was like, oh, man, I said it. Yeah, I know. We got in uh, we got in trouble so many times on our YouTube channel. Blocked for weeks at a time. <laughs> really? Strikes on, on, on strikes. But, yeah, we've been very much anti the drug for a very long time. And uh, even before, even before this whole thing happened with uh, the CCP. So, yeah, we're it's, it's a blessing in that sense. So, but hopefully, we won't get in trouble for being on with Brother Martin. I mean, Brother Martin is a very <laughs> scary person with his, with Brother Chewy. Between him and Brother Chewy, it's very controversial. I'm taking yeah. care of a poor little Chihuahua and a retired priest. How scary! <laughs> I mean, right. I know, this is terrible. Brown How people scary. Say again. How much time do you have? And and do you consider yourself to be white? Do I consider myself to be white? You know, it's interesting. You know, whenever you have to check off boxes, if you're Hispanic, you have to check off that you're white. And I'm always like, I That's guess right. I'm white. I guess I'm white. This is true. <laughs> this happened ever since ever since Zimmerman. Remember Zimmerman, the white Hispanic? No, I don't. <laughs> George Zimmerman, he was like I was, half Hispanic. I feel for you, George. I'm half Hispanic. I'm a white Hispanic. Wait, what kind of that is the most Hispanic name I've ever heard. I'm just saying. Yeah, I, and, uh, born, I was born in 1998, so I don't remember. How, everyone makes references, and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all were talking earlier about Brother Martin being too young to remember something, and I'm like, um, that would. I think I'm young. So there you go. <laughs> All right, give us give us your prediction for uh for the un- oncoming election. Are the Republicans going to take the House and the Senate or just the House? Uh honestly, I'd be surprised if they take uh much at all because I'm not confident in the uh processes of putting um let's just say cuz I this will also get us in trouble. The putting political people into office. I'm not entirely confident in the way that works. That's strike two, Adrian. That is strike two. <laughs> Final question for Adrian, and then we got to let you go because your connection is a little spotty anyway. Can you speak Spanish? Um, I can say the word Spanish. That I say that very well. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The only phrase I know in Spanish is no comprendo español. So that's, uh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, okay. All right, Mark. I love then, that. Now I know why you check off white on the box. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. You are definitely a white Hispanic, <laughs> which, which places you on the DOJ's uh, potential domestic terrorist. <laughs> Any parting, parting words of advice for us? Parting words of advice? Well, well, the only thing I could ever say that's worth saying is have a greater devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. So y'all guys are way smarter than me about everything else. So I'll just say uh, what everybody should already know. Increase your devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Amen. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. That's Come on right. anytime. Just just bomb us anytime. By the way, the, the link is out there. If you just want to join the rundown, it's literally on the internet uh, <laughs> in some places. Uh, anyway. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, we do have to talk about groomers, but before we get to groomers, we have to talk about the World Economic Forum. In the industrial revolution of the 19th century, what humanity basically learned to produce was all kinds of stuff, like textiles and shoes and weapons and, and vehicles. And this was enough for very few countries that underwent the revolution fast enough to subjugate everybody else. 
what we are talking about now is like a second industrial revolution, but the product this time will not be textiles or machines or vehicles or even weapons. The product this time will be humans themselves. We are basically learning to produce bodies and minds. Bodies and minds are going to be, the, I think, the two main products of the next wave of all these uh, changes. And if there is a gap between those that know to produce bodies and minds and those that do not, then this is far greater than anything we saw before in, in history. And this time, if you're not part of the revolution fast enough, then you probably become, become extinct. Once you know how to produce bodies and brains and minds, so cheap labor in Africa or South Asia or wherever, it, it simply counts for nothing. Again, I think that the biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decades, will be what to do with all these useless people. I don't think we have an economic model to, for that. My best guess, which is just a guess, is that uh, food will not be a problem. Uh, with that kind of technology, you will be able to produce food for, to feed everybody. The problem is more uh, boredom and how, what to do with them, and how will they find some sense of meaning in life when they... What are we going to do with all these useless people, Dr. Stein? That's, that's, the, that's the big questions that the World Economic Forum is trying to tackle. I am, they continue to amaze me with how far they're willing to go unfiltered. How they just say things because they know nobody's going to report on it except for people like us who are on the fringes, essentially. Yeah. Those of us, you know, we don't have the influence to wake people up because, you know, our lovely and fair hosts will totally throttle you for saying things like that, for mm -hmm. telling the truth, for showing them saying those things. Even though that video came from YouTube, I know because I have that same video open in another tab on my desktop right now from a, from a World Economic Forum YouTube channel. Right. It's amazing. Right. This same guy, Harari, he's, he's lauded as uh, so, supposedly the prophet of the World Economic Forum. Uh, here he is talking about how we've, we, he, he's better than God. He goes beyond God. God is now a, one of those useless persons that we have to find something to do with. The only thing God managed to create are organic uh, beings. All these trees and giraffes and humans, they are just organic. But we are now trying to create inorganic entities, inorganic life forms, cyborgs, artificial intelligence, and so forth. If we succeed, and there is a very good chance we will, then very soon we will be beyond the God of the Bible. Wow. Wow. James, uh, assuming monkeypox doesn't take him down first, um, <laughs> I, he is planning to fuse your brain to a computer chip. He's definitely what I would consider the forebearer of uh, Pokepox. I mean, he's delusional uh, if he thinks God is going to let him get that far. Obviously, by design, uh, man has to basically worship himself. Man has to think of himself as better, as greater, as bigger than, than God. This is um, basically the problem we have in the 21st century is the rooting out of God in society and the raising up of man. What happens when you go to the Oscars every every year? They give you a freaking image of a man, you know. Mm -hmm. You wave the man around and you say, this is my accomplishment. Right. Other, other men think I'm great. And so well, I get a statue of a man. 
it's yeah. the same thing with the Emmys too. And and by the way, we're still waiting on proof that this four-time Emmy winner that is harassing all of us actually won an Emmy. The court <laughs> has ordered him to provide it. He said he will. And his proof is going to be, well, I, I, I have pictures of Emmys. Where's <laughs> the proof? On eBay. That you can buy, buy you can eBay, buy right? it. You can buy a plastic buy Emmy. A you want to be eBay. on eBay? Give me the freaking right. certificate, you liar! All right, go ahead. So yeah, we're we're living in a society now where man has lifted up himself, and you know what's really funny is once society went that way, the church, the new church, quickly followed. You know what did they do? They they wrote encyclicals and they started actually. Well, first of all, right, they they, they crowned that way of thinking uh, through Vatican II. They crowned the idea of man being the center of uh, what's what's the phrase again? Uh, I forget the phrase. Uh, it, I think it was uh, Lumen Gentium, uh, man being the summit, you know, of, mm-hmm. of everything. And you're you're reading this, going, "Oh my goodness, what in the world has become of our world where men now think they are the ones who are uh, basically uh, uh, going to make the world better apart from God, apart from the Creator." And this is where Harare is taking us. You know, of course, God is going to have the last laugh. We know this is going to be a short-lived thing. This is going to be a short-lived event, you know. And um, it's not going to get to to that epoch they're they're, uh, looking, you know, uh, for. So, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, this is uh, just the next phase of uh, what they're planning. But... I don't see it reaching its uh, full, full, uh, you know, telos. You, you know what? What's what's so amazing about this though is that uh, this guy who's a Jew uh, is is able to take the the big error of Adam Smith and the big error of Charles Darwin, who both taught at the same institution. The stench of both of those people is still in Scotland to this day. Um, but the okay. error that that. Uh, that God only managed to create some carbon, but out of disorder, we can get something beautiful, something or something organic, something complex out of disorder of the economy. We can get something beautiful. We can get, uh, you know, mass uh, ownership of private property and we can get fairness and equality and all these things. This error in philosophy, brother Martin, uh, is the very same starting point that this cyborg little wuss uh, who probably does have monkeypox. Uh, and I'm, I don't know if he got it in Ferndale or not. I don't know. Uh, but this little wuss with monkeypox, uh, who's probably lined up to get the vaccine for it, he starts with the very same Darwinian and Adam Smithian and uh, and and bogus GOP boomerist laissez-faire capitalist error. It is, and it's summed up in in something that a lot of even Catholics. Um, adhere to and it's called evolution the evolution of species in that uh, through natural selection or through the use of our intelligence even as human beings that we can create a superhuman we can we can make humanity even better than what it even is that we can take the essence of what it is to be human and evolve it to increase it to to expand its possibilities expand its powers to make it something even greater than what it is um, but all of that implies even what, what it means to, to be human, uh, precisely because in order to answer what it means to be human, you have to already acknowledge what, what an essence is. And so you have to adhere at least to Aristotelian Thomistic metaphysics. And a lot of people today don't do that because precisely because it makes everything stable. We were talking earlier in the show about what a definition is, but a lot of people don't like definitions, which is why when you ask them, what is a woman? They freak out because they, they hate definitions. They hate 
limiting. I mean, that's what that's what definition literally means is, is to limit. Uh, they hate limiting an existence of something to be just just what it is. And so and, and that obviously promotes the, uh, the the desire that people have of everything being subjective, of reality being merely subjective, which started really with uh, Immanuel Kant and, and his transcendental realism. And, and and for him, it was, it was a type of realism, which we why we need to be ultimately careful with the term realism, um, because transcendental realism is a, a sort of realism, but it's a, it's a subjective rather than an objective realism. Um, this, it, it all comes from 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 modern and contemporary philosophy. And and if you take a modern and, and contemporary philosophy course in, in, in college today, you'll get all of this stuff. It's not hidden. It's there in plain, plain sight. I think the scariest thing today is a lot of people um, really discredit philosophy and, and, and say that it's not important or it's something for um, loftier minds or so, something of the sort. But it, it's, it's in our face every single day. Every, every news headline I, I read, um, all of this jumps right back out of me. Everything I've learned from philosophy jumps right back out of me. It's like this is categorized in, in, in these modern and contemporary philosophies. This comes straight from that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not like I have to uh, really stretch and make things fit. I mean, I, I see everything happening, happening in real time. And, um, and, so- and that, and that exact philosophy is what we're seeing now with these fake doctors, these, these fake psychiatrists who are at Boston children's hospital, one of the elite surgical centers in the United States who are now telling you that they want to chop off. Uh, sorry, the, we've given you, uh, we've given you all of the Fair uh, warning. warnings that the rundown's not for children. Okay, and I'll warn you again. I warned you in the intro. We always warn you every week. So get your kids out of here. These people want to chop off breasts from 14-year-old girls. That's what they want to do. The eligibility for getting gender-affirming surgeries at Boston Children's Hospital is basically the same as it would be for most other hospitals or surgeons in the United States. And that's the case because we all follow the World Professional Association for Transgender Health, or WPATH standards of care. For top surgery, you are requested, but not required, to have been on gender-affirming hormones for at least a year. If you're a trans woman, it's really encouraged that you be on estrogen for at least a year because you want to maximize your natural breast growth. Many surgical centers require you to be 18. At Boston Children's Hospital for top surgeries, we'll see people as young as age 15 if they've been affirmed in their gender for a long period of time and don't really have any other life complications that make surgery inappropriate. I was wrong about 14, Stein. It was, it was, it was 15. They want to chop off 15-year-old girls' breasts. That doctor oozes professionalism. I know that if that doctor walked in to take my temperature and give me advice on how to address anything, I would not be distracted in any way by the neon colors on display and instead would be totally comfortable receiving help from the same kind of people I sat in student leadership in, in, in Portland, Oregon, who all openly talked about critical race theory and wanting to study it so they could then apply it to the workplace 10 years ago. I'm totally confident in that person. Mm-hmm. It, it gets worse. I have a couple other videos from the same institution. 
uh, in the following video, they claim that uh, you you really know what your gender is from the womb. Don't you guys remember uh, thinking that you were men when you were in the womb? So most of the patients that we have in the GEMS clinic actually know their gender, usually around the age of puberty. But a good portion of children do know as early as seemingly from the womb. And they will usually express their gender identity as very young children, some as soon as they can talk. They might say phrases such as, I'm a girl, or I'm a boy, or I'm going to be a woman, or I'm going to be a mom. Kids know very, very early. So in the GEMS clinic, we see a variety of young children all the way down to ages two and three and usually up to the ages of nine. When they come into the clinic, they'll see one of our psychologists and we'll be talking to them about their gender. We'll be talking to their family about how to best support that child and how to make sure that that child has the space and support to explore their gender and uh, do well throughout their development. And we'll be answering any parent questions. A lot James, did you have the space and time to explore your male gender when you were a child? I mean, was, did you have gender affirming care? You know, all, all this is uh, just uh, reeks of uh, demonic infestation to the highest uh, degree. I can't imagine anywhere in the, in the entire world where in the, the entire, uh, you know, educated world, you know, in, in the entire, uh, uh, you know, world that says, you know, it's not a, th- a third world country. Right. So we're not only right now, third world countries are the only countries saying this is lunacy, right? And so in, in these developed nations of the West, this is considered science, which is mind-blowing because as a child, you just alluded there, I had no idea of what all this nonsense was. All I, need, all I needed to know was I ate, I went to the bathroom, and I, I played, and I, I hung out with my, my siblings and my parents. Uh, you, you start to learn you know, basically the function of your body after a certain age, you know? And so I, I can tell you stories, many stories, uh, you know, of people who did things that were outside of the norm and they realized this years later. Oh my goodness. I was playing with dolls and as a, a kid, you know, ha ha ha. That was just uh, me being a kid, but mm-hmm. back on it right now, you know, if anybody had told me I was a girl, you know, I, I may have agreed with them, but as a, as an adult, you know, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard. So kids often are going to fall into these categories of wanting to do things that they see being done around them. Of course, you know, you have boys playing with uh, dolls at, at, at five, five years old, right? You have uh, girls playing with trucks at five years old, you know, and a few years later, uh, this just, this tur- turns around. So we are ignoring all, all of this uh, behavioral uh, science, this, you know, that we we had basically uh understood as the way things worked for hundreds of years we're ignoring all of this for thousands of years excuse me ignoring all of this now to say there's a new science and this new science is affirming whatever nonsense is in your child's mm-hmm. head i noticed a you didn't say millions of years or billions of years you said thousands <laughs> of years and b you i i have to do this you brought up uh learning about your bodily functions and unfortunately some people learn about that and then later in life they forget how it works I don't think he can control his bodily functions. I, I'm not making fun of him because he's old or has dementia. I'm just saying it. Okay, here's another doctor from Boston. I'm a clinical psychologist by training, 
and I am the director of the Yale Gender Program, which is an interdisciplinary program working with gender expansive individuals, 3 to 25, and their families. We um, help individuals who are questioning their gender identity or who identify as transgender or non-binary. We help them with their gender journey, um, thinking through that, thinking through the risks and the benefits of uh, medical intervention, uh, starting medical intervention, um, and also building supports around them. And I love what I do, so it's really, really wonderful to to be working in this field and to be working with individuals who are gender diverse and gaining their support and helping them on their gender journeys. I don't remember being on a gender journey, Brother Martin. Have you ever been on a gender journey? Are you on a gender journey? <laughs> Absolutely not. But listen, it, it's always a woman that does this. And so if you're a w woman watching a rundown, please, please acknowledge the dangers and the need to really place yourself submissively under a man who, who's reasonable, who's who's logical. Because it's always a woman who comes out with this, this stupid nonsense of gender expansive identity. This, this is stupid. Absolutely stupid. Um there was there was there was something I wanted to say about the previous section. What was our, what was the previous section? Uh, well, so I think it was Biden pissing his pants, but I don't remember. <laughs> that was a, a, before that. Um, <laughs> We've been man. talking about groomers for thirty minutes, brother. You zoom. You, you like listen, zoned out. I, I don't have my piece of paper and my fountain pen out right now to take notes about what we're doing. That's usually <laughs> what I do. Is I write down a thought because it always escapes me right right when it was your thought. Does your thought have something to do with evolution? Uh, no, that's no, how we got after. here. We Anyways, it was, it was after I lost. Oh, anyway, okay. This is this is what I put in the chat, so precisely so I could remember, is that uh, this this particular lady says, okay, oh, actually, it was another another one, the, the clip you previously showed, that uh, people know their their gender identity, or whatever, from the womb. Well, if if there's knowledge in the womb, if a person knows themselves in the womb, doesn't that prove that their person's in the womb? In which case, how do they? How do they justify abortion? How do they justify that they're not killing a human being? That Wait a second. You're saying if you know your gender in the womb, but it's still okay to kill you? Come on. Uh, That's right. Uh, no, they right. might identify as a white male. So, <laughs> in, in which case it would be, yeah, diminished culpability. I get it. I get it. In the church of, in the church of these, these freaks. And these aren't just people who want to operate on you and want to like brainwash your children and all that. These aren't just people that want to mutilate your children's bodies. These are people that are teaching them in school every day. I'm like very out at work. Um, I, at least at my teaching job, I'm very out. I wear my pronouns and stuff. Um, and I'm like, I like correct the kids and the, like the kids have gotten to like correcting each other. And it was like so awesome today. We were, I was in charge of our like active activity. And one of the kids referred to me as a girl. And one of my kids was like, Jamie doesn't have a gender. Jamie's not a girl. Oh my God. And like the kid was just like, what do you mean? And she was just like, Jamie doesn't have a gender. Jamie is not a girl. I like the way that like, the way that has me is so emotional. <laughs> like, she like even like, like said the pronouns to him. Oh my God. She was like, Jamie's they. <laughs> She's eight. <laughs> my 52 year old parents still 
fucking call me she after being out for three years. <laughs> and I like. I didn't know about the F bomb, but Ipsatilla, that's pretty funny when hobbits go wrong. That was the perfect comment. What is wrong with this woman? It is, you know what, brother, you're right. It is usually women. It's not always women, but it is usually these women, these lads. And uh, this is why single motherhood, in my opinion, is one of the worst sins in this country. Single motherhood produces this kind of garbage. Listen, if I don't care if if you proclaim to be Catholic, if you put yourself out there as a Catholic and even pretend to be a reporter and you're a single mother, you're done messed up. You're fa- get your house in order. You're abusing your children by depriving them of a father. Reconcile. Don't tell me it was irreconcilable because I know as a matter of fact in a lot of cases and in yours it was not irreconcilable. But it's child abuse to deprive children, Dr. Stein, of two parents. And this is what happens when women are in charge of things, when women, radical feminists, and feminism is just as bad in the trad movement as it is out there in the real world. I've met the worst feminazis in the trad movement. They're in charge of their families spiritually. They refuse to submit to their husbands. They think they're going to lead their children to heaven. It's a pretty, it's a pretty bad thing, but these, it's, a lot of times it is women. My favorite example, I think, of, of this is how every synod in every country right now is releasing reports about what the laity want. And they all say the same thing. Women in leadership positions in the church, uh, restoration of the ordained women's diaconate. That seems to be a common thing we keep seeing. And um, well, you know, the James Martin sin being normalized, all that stuff. That is all what we're seeing in the U.S. synods, a lot of their diocesan synods are not releasing their reports, and they're saying the same thing. It's all it's it's almost as if we've been conditioned as Catholics to accept whatever nonsense the world is pushing at any given time to not only accept it, but accept it harder and with more enthusiasm than Protestants do or than in some cases the Orthodox do. It's like we have to be at the forefront of it. I've never understood how exactly how that happened even though I understand the infiltration thesis and, you know, Freemasonry in the church and all the rest of it, I understand all yeah. those things, yeah, yeah, but yeah. you know, there could be a more subtle expression of it. Like, you know, boomer conservatism, <laughs> right? right. You know what, right. Francis thinks what, what Francis thinks the church in America is, is like versus what the synodal reports are like. I, I, everyone likes to argue for me. Said, look, I say this every time, ladies and gentlemen, the purpose of the rundown, this is a show for men, a, and B, we talk in terms of generalities, and there are exceptions to rules, but you don't prove rules by their exceptions. St. Thomas Aquinas says, first things first, second things second. Arguing from exceptions is like justifying abortion from rape and incest. Obviously, I'm not talking about exceptional cases where your husband dies and you're a widow, or he leaves and he's a deadbeat, or other cases. But what I'm talking about, I said the word reconcilable. I'm talking about the fact that the United States bishops, James, uh, on at, at at least a 97% rate in most dioceses in these United States will rubber stamp divorces in the Catholic Church. Elective divorces, let's say. Elective divorces. And you might pretend to be a, a, a TV personality, Catholic personality on your fake failing news channel. And you might put yourself out there uh, with all your degrees, but you never talk about your time in Florida, do you? Why is that? Uh, and you might put yourself out there as somebody who is to be believed 
but your house isn't in order. You live down the street from the guy. He's not a deadbeat. He didn't leave you and he didn't die. And it's not irreconcilable. And yet you're depriving your children of, of, of two parents. What do you think is going to happen to those kids? Yeah, you know what's funny is um, a lot of uh, people, and, and I actually know people uh, who are suffering from from this. You know, they they're in positions where, um, you know, we're, we're living with the scourge of uh, Vatican II. The scourge of Vatican II uh, it throws its net out there and it gets everybody in its net. Basically, you know, whatever radius that thing uh, when it's cast, it pulls pe- people in, and sometimes. Uh, my, you know, in that is uh, unfortunate uh, traditional women, a so-called traditional woman, who maybe have swallowed one kind of feminism pill or another, not realizing that uh, they've been caught in a web that is going to destroy their their family. I know men who've come up to me and said, you know, I'm in this unfortunate situation. I don't know how to make this uh, right. You know, my wife simply does not understand. She will not submit, uh, you know, in, in issues where. You know, I have a right to judge on this or or that, and now she's basically said that uh, this she that this is an impossible situation, and so she's basically going to file. And guess what? You know, the church quickly comes around and says, "Oh, single woman or 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 married married mother, or whatever they say, in, in distress." You know, we have to rescue this mother from her husband who is just uh, putting an unconscionable load on her. You know, for the sake of her. Right. For the for, yeah, for the, for the sake of her, you know, of her mind and the ease of everything going on, you know, we have to help her. And so they create yeah. this false, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, they they create a false dichotomy. You know, they they pit the woman against the man, and in most cases, they'll stand with with woman, and then they've created uh, a problem that takes years and years to solve. If at all, it does get uh, solved, it creates complications. And this is something people are not. Uh, talking about bishops are just rubber stamping a lot of these things and half the time it's not even the, the, you go to these meetings and it's the administrators who are sort of running things you know and uh the bishop comes in and just sort of rubber stamps you know and uh it's it's a, it's a dire situation you know a lot of valid marriages are falling to this danger because some yep. women out there have it on their authority that uh well you know uh this is not the way you know, I was raised, or this is not the way that I think this is not the direction I think we should go. And so, uh, because you're putting this stress on me, uh, and it's affecting our relationship rather than submit, I am just going to say this is irreconcilable and boom, they're out the door. Yeah, that's right. And, and this, this is a perfect segue to the, the, the final topic tonight, which we're going to be talking about Vatican three. Nobody has nobody has documented Vatican III more thoroughly, more regularly than Dr. Anthony Stein on his YouTube channel, Return to Tradition. And uh, if you're not subscribed to it or a patron of it, you need to do that because Dr. Stein has has in in grave detail. And I love how all your stuff is like 15 minutes. It's very digestible. The rundown is is two and a half hours. We just can't help. We have so much fun. We're like, oh, this is a one time a week. We got to get it all in. We got to pack it all in. But Stein is like every day for 15 minutes telling you that Vatican III is happening right now. And annulments, annulments, as evil as they are, Dr. Stein, as evil and as wicked and, and as hate as, as much as we all hate them. And I don't care if your FSSP priest annulled your marriage. It's probably still a valid marriage, to be honest, mathematically speaking. So don't give me that garbage. As terrible as annulments are, though, Stein, 
it's like number 17 on the list on this on the synod on synodality of what's coming out in some of these mm-hmm. places i just i just read the report in ireland it's really bad yeah i mean ireland is pretty far gone but then again uh when i was referencing earlier to the restoration of the women's ordained diaconate that's out of australia right so this is you know literally a world apart from each other and yet it's the same problem it's the same problem everywhere in the latin rite of the church i would love to to know but i don't know of any outlets covering the eastern rites of the church in any great depth i would love to know if they're doing a if they're participating actively in the synod of synodality I mean, I would imagine that they are, since it's supposed to be the entire church doing this. And I'd love to know what's coming out of them. Because there's this, I think this illusion people have that because they have beautiful liturgies that have been protected, mostly, that they're going to be immune from modernism. But modernism isn't just a new mass that, you know, it's not just clown masses or John Denver masses or whatnot. It's, you know, the modernist problem goes deep into theology. Right. And this is why we have, you know, Bishop Barron telling people Elijah got fired by God. This it's something much deeper than just the liturgy. It's things connected to it. And so you have, you know, women's ordination being brought up over and over and over again. It's it reminds me when people said, hey, you know, Pope Francis came out and just smacked around the German bishops and told them that not to, you know, do what they're doing. And no, that's not actually what happened. If you read his letter, he told them not to do it without the rest of the church. That's what, he, you know, that's what he told them to do. He told them to wait for the, for the final synodal meetings to be done. What he was really telling them was the bishops can't be leading this. We're going to listen. He has said that they're going to listen to the laity and what the laity want is going to be interpreted as a movement of the spirit, whatever the spirit yeah, right. is. Right. And it seems like it's, you know, it's, it's, the dioceses are all putting out the same reports functionally a couple minor details differences here and there but they're putting out the same reports in most places and that's what we're, we're going to see something my expectation is francis will issue a document that will be more moderate than what the what the uh, synodal reports ask for but it will be still extremely radical because that's, mm-hmm. that's his style Right, so that he can appear to be, you know, like the 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 steady hand, the sober-minded one mm-hmm. uh, in the face of all of these radicals. You know, one of the things, uh, Brother Martin, with this whole synodal process is that they're really not listening to the laity. Uh, when you read the fine prints of some of these reports, they say, "Well, we we're only taking into account select opinions from the laity, trusted or honest, quote unquote, opinions." So having a traditional opinion is a dishonest opinion. It's an immediate disqualifier. But why do I call this Vatican III? One of the reasons I call it, call it Vatican III is because we have Jews, Muslims, heretics, and, and Protestants who are part of the so-called laity who are weighing in on Catholic dogma. And that is exactly what is happening in so many places around the world. Some of these reports are now starting to come out. And in the top five things of the church needs to do is the alphabet people, uh, more annulments, of course, uh, ordaining women, uh, destroying the family and worshiping the Pachamama to the extent of being buried alive. And so uh, there, there was there was a an, a news report that some kid in Bolivia was buried alive as, as some sort of sacrifice to Pachamama, and he was able to burst himself alive, burst himself out while he was still being alive. He had blood all over his face. Um, but I'll, I've said this before in the rundown, and I'll continue to re- reiterate it. When they had the synod on the youth. Um, 
I personally knew someone who was, uh, I guess, some sort of ambassador for the Center of the Youth. She lived in Rome. She was in a religious community there. And she took to Facebook to to message, uh, you know, people her age, our age, uh, about the Center of the Youth. What would you like to be discussed? How do you want your voice heard, et cetera? And she, she messaged one of my friends who was a seminarian for a diocese. And, of course, he was a traditionalist because he's my friend. He's a traditionalist. Uh, he gave her the whole spiel of, of you know, promoting traditional Catholicism, the traditional Latin mass. And she simply replied that, I'm sorry, those, those aren't the comments that we're looking for. And so we know that each and every uh, synodal uh, charade, it, the final document is already written. It's used to already advance another agenda. They're just trying to collect the comments that they need in order to support their thesis uh, and, and to pro- promote Vatican III, a, a, a further ch- change in tr- church doctrine. doctrine. Um, we know, of course, women deacons was never, as, as far as holy orders, was never a possibility, but they might find a way around it, to skirt around it in, in a way of, of since they promoted uh, laity to being lectors and acolytes, they might give women um, the ability to, to preach a homily and to do other things that deacons do besides actually give blessings and other things that one actually needs holy orders to do. So we know that this, this, this regime is evil enough to find ways um, to not contradict dogma, so to speak, but to find something that, that was within their administrative power to change. And that's the way they've always been working since, since the seventies is uh, by persecuting traditional communities, by producing, uh, persecuting traditional priests, they've not necessarily denied traditional doctrine, but they've kept it from being taught by their own by their own powers. And so that, that's that's the crisis. That's that's why, in pers- personally, I'm recognizes and resists precisely because they're not um, of- officially, so to speak, uh, teaching, defining something that's contrary to Catholic faith, but they're using the, their administrative power to persecute those who are. Um, and that's the that's the pure the, the the evil genius, the evil genius behind modernism is that they're using administrative power to do that. And one of the communities that's absolutely behind it, one hundred percent behind the evil genius, is the FSSB. Whoa, we haven't even gotten to the unpopular <laughs> opinion segment yet, James. I haven't even gotten there yet. We haven't. E- wow. Okay. All right. I don't even know what I. I want you to weigh in on the synod on synodality, and then we will give our unpopular opinions. This will be the last question uh, for the for the normal show to James the Lesser about the synod on synodality. What are you hearing? What are you seeing? Is this Vatican III? Will we survive? Uh, it's it's definitely the appearance of something I would call uh, Vatican III, meaning the the fullness of Vatican II. You know how people say there are four secrets. You know of uh, Fatima. You know half half of the first secret, half half of the third secret has been revealed, but then we're waiting for the other half of the third secret to be revealed. And so there are four secrets. Well, I I, I say that this is the extension of Vatican II. This uh, this is uh, Vatican II side B that we're experiencing, and people don't want to hear that. You know um, whether or not it's 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 still said it's still something we we, can wait, we have to wait to see. We don't we don't know if. They're going to extend this. This is going to be the extended version, and then we'll have a C and a D and an E. But certainly speaking, this is moving in that same trajectory, which points toward um, 
using uh, some sort of synodality process to bring about uh, various changes which are unpopular. But then by saying this is what the people, the spirit, the Ruha, this is what the Ruha in the people is causing uh, us to, you know, to do. We're following this, you know, this is the spirit of listening. And when mm. Pope Francis says, go out there and make a mess or a noise rather, whatever it is he said, this is, this is what he, he really, he really meant. You know? <sighs> uh, so we're definitely moving toward that end, uh, whether or not it's going to be realized in this uh, go around of the center uh, of the synod is something we have to wait, wait and see. This is what I think about the spirit of listening. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> and it's about as true as this statement. You're okay. You're not going to. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Yeah. What do you think we input. need to do? Oh, oh we, we need a revolution, yeah, and we need it no, now, no. not later. Now. Oh man, <laughs> unpopular opinions. We normally start with Ryan, but we'll jump Ryan and we'll skip to Brother Martin first up this week. I'll give you time to think of yours, Doctor Sign, in case you didn't prepare yours. Unpopular opinion for the week. All right. <laughs> I've already sped up quite a few already during the show. Um, but I guess my unpopular opinion for this week will be uh, the reality that, that Tucker Carlson gave in, in the clip that we showed earlier is that if you're not awake right now, then then I don't what can help you? I don't know. We've got 87,000 uh, IRS agents now armed um, to come after the middle class. You've got taxes being hiked uh, for the middle class. Uh, I said at the beginning of the last episode, last week's episode, that um, if you don't know how to sh- how to shoot, then you should. In the sense that we absolutely don't know what, what's what's coming at us and don't know how crazy this regime, this mentality, this ideology, this philosophy is, is willing to get. I always remember the beginning of Schindler's uh, Schindler's List. Uh, pretty popular movie, right? Uh, of a Nazi general uh, having his pistol in a concentration camp, um, listening to classical music. So kind of showing that he's educated and just shooting people, pure and simple, as, as if it was nothing. Um, so don't expect that people will always acknowledge your humanity, especially since um, we sp- spoke earlier about, well, the philosophy of, of them not even knowing how to define a human person. Um, we, we, we can't always count on these things you can you can try to make a logical argument as much as you want when someone's pointing a gun at your head it you know it is what it is it's not going to go very far um so if you're not taking real real plans to defend yourself and to defend your family to help them survive in the case that they turn off the gas and the electricity all these sorts of things um then then you're not really awake you're not really being prepared you're not really um fulfilling your duty to to protect and sustain your family um, I know it's kind of an awkward subject because I personally, I've never been a prepper or any of the sort. I, I always thought it was kind of awkward that, you know, certain ideas couldn't go so far um, that eventually the opposite side would rise up and we'd all defend, um, you know, and fight back, but against it. Um, but I think especially in the, in the 2020 election, we, we see that voting, which is really our kind of the source of our power is, is, is useless. It's done for. Um, and so if you're not doing more to, to think outside the box and to think, okay, what, how are we going to survive if the electricity is turned off? How are we going to survive if the gas is turned off? How are we going to survive if we can't get to a, a, a gas pump, a gas station, all that kind of stuff? Um, then you're really not awake. You're not being prepared for the moment. 
Um, and then of course, if it was 87,000 IRS agents, you know, show up, show up at your house, uh, precisely because they see that you're not, um, you know, fulfilling your social credit score, then you got to know what to do. You got to get, you got to be prepared. And so that's my unpop- unpopular opinion, I guess, is, is, is if you're not, if you're not prepping, if you're not prepping, you're not awake. You're not Woo. prep or die. James unpop. No, you're not fooling me this time. I, I'm in big trouble. I don't really have an opinion, uh, an popular opinion this this, this week. Um, oh my goodness! I know. Okay, let's jump. Let's make... jump to Doctor Stein. I'll give you a mulligan for now. Um, I have been told from sources I trust that there are more Latin mass restrictions coming from Rome, and a you know that if you've seen what Doctor Joseph Shaw posted. I think it was Dr. Shaw posted on a new liturgical movement and on his own website, LMS chairman, then you'll, then uh, it's, you have an idea of what's coming, but there will be more coming. And when, as they phase out the apostolic mass, you're going to see a surprising number of traditionally aligned people in the public sphere that you think are on our side. Suddenly I think flip that yep. they're going to tell call for submission that, you know, that you should, then go take over, help take over your local Novus Ordo parish and help make the mass reverent there, even though those have been getting banned too. And that you're going to see a lot of them flip. You're going to see a lot of the better bishops, I think, flip as well. That's what you're going to see. My unpopular opinion is that it's going to get lonely as a traditional Catholic in the not distant future. Ooh, man. This is going to be a good week, James. Uh, I'll go. I'll go next, James. You have one more, couple, few seconds, maybe five minutes to prep. <laughs> Everyone says my above opinions are so long. You mean ten minutes? Okay, thank you. No, 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 no. <laughs> Check this out. Check this out. My unpopular opinion is that I wish that I could just seti and chill. I wish I could do that. That's what I want to do. Um, but it doesn't work. I've explored it. I think the Tuke line is broken. I think half of these people that were consecrated by Tuke are invalid. So I'm sorry. You don't get out of heresy and simony. simony. Uh, you don't get the fruits of saving the church. I'm sorry. Tuke, Bishop Tuke was selling priestly ordinations to teenagers for shekels. Okay? I'm sorry. That, that's a documented fact. You cannot tell me that out of that, you're going to save the church. I love the SETIs. I love you. You're some of the best Catholics. I give you a fair shake. I always give you a fair shake. But if there's one thing that SETIs and bogus ordites have in common, it's that life is easy for them. Life is easy as bogus ordo. The church places no demands on you. You don't really have to believe anything. You can go along with the culture. You can just live your life normally. You can wear whatever you want to wear. Say what you ever want to, you want to say. And if you bother to show up to confession, the priest tells you what you're confessing isn't even a sin. Same thing for the Sadis, by the way. Everything's okay. Francis isn't real. Uh... Uh, Benedict isn't real. None of it's real. It's all just an illusion. I just bunker down in my little cave and I just chill. I steady and chill. And you know what? I wanted to steady and chill. I do. I wanted to steady and chill and I do want to steady and chill. I just can't. Unfortunately, the fight is has, is with uh, our generation. It's, it's, it's fallen to us. What a time to be alive. 
and we've got to uh, we can't just shrug off our duty. We can't just say like kind of how the FSSP said when uh, TC came out, they're like, oh, yeah, this doesn't apply to us. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see about that. <laughs> um, we can't just ignore the problem or pretend or wish it away or put our heads into the sand. Unfortunately, we're the ones who are called to fight. And that is our cross. And we will carry the cross. And I think being a SETI is shirking your duty, shirking your responsibility. And I, and I wanted to do it. I wanted to sit there and be comfy. Doesn't work though, James. Oh, you finally did it! Close, you finally did it. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. Anyway, um, my unpopular opinion this week: something I just uh, maybe have been thinking about, mulling about this for a while. Uh, certainly, will be unpopular amongst a uh, fair number of uh, so-called traditionalists. Uh, my unpopular opinion is that. Uh, Cardinal Burke is pusillanimous. Uh, and, yes. And so he is shirking a lot at his duty uh, to shepherd, and he's showing a lack of courage, uh, and his mind is not yet determined which direction he wants to to go. You know, will he be taken by force to that direction, to that, to that end, which, you know, he must, you know, uh, go? I don't know. Uh, we're looking at... You know, the first time he wrote, or rather, uh, when he wrote that letter with the three other uh, bishops, the uh, Dubia, um, he basically uh, put a lot of uh, force in the, in the in, you know, in the words in, in that letter. But since that time, uh, nothing has come of it. You know, everything seems to be a dialing back, a sort of uh, going into into the uh, caves, back into the caves, and sort of saying things. Uh, here, at the speaking at this event, the speaking that event, he's not speaking up for canceled priests. He's not speaking up for, um, you know, for you know the regular Catholic. Right after uh, the, uh, the ICKSP fiasco, or even uh, the dioceses around the country closing up. I'm not sorry, not dioceses, but the dioceses uh, uh, basically closing up the Latin masses. He he should be out there saying something. He doesn't necessarily have to name people by name. But he can at least, with each uh, outrageous letter that comes out from a diocese, he should at least be saying something. Uh, we, we can't get mm -hmm. upset at Vigano if we're not going to get upset also at Cardinal Burke. Mm -hmm. You know? Uh, and I would that even argue is, that is a truly unpopular opinion because Burke is a hero to so many recognized and resist trads, especially the ICK trads, because he does a lot of the ordinations for them. It's, but you know what? A perfect example, James, not to like steal your thunder and say you've, you've, you've won, but I definitely want to agree with you. Uh, Cardinal Burke spent time in Madison, Wisconsin, did he not? Madison, Wisconsin is yep. one of those places where, you know, it's, it's a very liberal city, but it's a pretty good diocese. Uh, and there's a priest there. What's his name? Brother Martin, Pro Father. Uh, Father James Altman, right? He's everybody's hero. Uh, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy, uh, the Birds one who like, wears cargo shorts. Birds of a feather. Was it? Was that? What's that the saying? one. The one who uh, he, did, he, he did a he did a podcast with us, and he was too drunk to even speak, so we had to delete it because he was wearing cargo shorts and drinking uh, uh, whatever. Like uh, my point <laughs> is, is that Madison, Wisconsin, Cardinal Burke. You said he's pusillanimous. That's that's a synonym for uh, timidity. Um, here's a priest in Madison who's been appointed to clean up the the the, the sex cover-ups in the Catholic Church because he's so good at doing it. 
And the Nuncio in the United States, this has been reported today in uh, one of these publications. I can't remember which one. The Nuncio in the United States blocked his appointment by Rome uh, or informed Rome that this guy was a Latin mass sympathizer. Catholic wow. World Report uh, is is who is who. Uh, now here you could you could have a guy like Burke swoop in and say, I know this guy. Maybe he ordained him or maybe he maybe he has some connection to him. Right. This is the upper Midwest. This is Burke country. He could swoop in and vouch for the guy or or at least highlight the injustice of like, hey, you say that this guy is good at cleaning up sex abuse. That's exactly what the church needs right now. He was appointed to a Vatican level position. And yet the nuncio sh- shoots it down because he said, well, he might actually like the Latin mass. Yeah. And, and, and that's exactly what uh, we're using to figure all of this out is not just, I mean, uh, Francis rose to the papacy in 2013. So this has been going on for a very long time. Everybody who was suspicious and was keeping quiet and trying to really, uh, you know, square, you know, everything out with Francis, they've all jumped ship and they've, I mean, look at, I mean, Vigano is, or was at the time, somebody who was to the left of Burke, you know, and uh, I, I mean, Burke has not really uh, come out to show us exactly what uh, we can do in order to to, to, to push back against uh, Rome, except to pray. Of course, we're praying, but we feel the weight of uh, these d- demonic forces on us, you know, we're being oppressed and we're just told to, to, to pray, which is a laudable thing. We should all pray. We should all hope that this, uh, goes away as quickly as possible, but we need somebody in front of us as a general, you know, where, uh, what's his name out in California now, uh, back in, uh, uh, Wisconsin, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Bishop Barron is afraid to take charge. To, to basically stand in front of the statue of Unipero Serra, you know, we mock we, we mock him for not doing that. You know, I only see Cardinal Burke when he's doing ordinations. Yeah. You know, what's that about? Yeah, you know, or or if there's a or if there's a, a papal uh, liturgy, you know, a, a pontifical high mass to be had, and there's like sure. that, that fifteen hundred foot long red cape to wear. Capomania. Yeah, the couple of mine. Yeah, and, and you know what? I I absolutely love it. And so you know, bring bring that on. But with that should come, you know, the idea in him. You know, what does it mean to be a cardinal? To be a hinge? What does it you mean know, to be a hinge? The red, the red that the cardinals wear is supposed to signify martyrdom. It's supposed to signify right. blood, which is also what what the red on the the pope's shoes is supposed to signify. But of course, right. the red shoes were rejected. Back in, right. in 2013, of course, but also, yeah. I mean, this comes at the same time. This rejection of this this priest, who was part of the CDF, who who is an ex, more or less an expert uh, for sex abuse cases, in the same time that Cardinal Willette, um, the charges against him, the accusations against him, were completely dismissed because over a Zoom call, there wasn't enough substance to to investigate this. Oh, really? You know, right. and for priests, if you're a priest, if you're accused, you're done. Right. If you're accused, you're done. Look at Father James Jackson. If you're accused, you're done. You know, it doesn't matter what, what the courts say because the courts haven't said anything. There's people out there, news organizations, that have completely canceled him 100%, said he's guilty. Right. That's it. Right. Done. Yeah. Innocent so, until proven guilty? What? Right? Exactly. To an attorney? 
Exactly. What? You know, that's, yeah. that's so for the Vatican, <laughs> right? For the Vatican, so again, you're yeah. you're innocent. You know, it's 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 a complete hypocrisy. 100% right. But you know what? Look, 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 look. We're picking on Cardinal Burke, his eminence. Yeah. I met him. I like him. He's a nice right. man. He's right. a sweet man. Right. Um, we're picking on him, and 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 it's right that you bring it up. How sad is it though? We it's not like we're singling him out. How many other cardinals are do nothing losers? How many cardinals are just homos? How many cardinals are just sodomites? You know what I mean? So like we we expect more of the trad cardinals. We where's Syrah? You know mm-hmm. uh, where's uh, where are any of the other supposedly good cardinals? Muller, Brad uh, Muller. So am yeah, I the only were. one? Am I the only one here who remembers how Francis actually gave them all these symbolic promotions? Actually, a few months ago, because I remember that that actually happened. They got some sort of like. They were a lot of these. They were honored among other bishops, you know. After they'd been dismissed from other posts, they were given new symbolic posts. That was sort of a, a what looked like a sort of a promotion of some kind that they had gotten. I think I might be the only one who remembers that happening a few months ago. Well, no, I actually don't. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't remember that happening. I'm sure it happened. I'm sure if you spoke about it or talked about it, I may, I may have listened to it, but uh, I, I don't recall it off off the top of my. Uh, I'm not, I'm not saying they were bought, but yeah, I mean, we were promised to follow up to the dubia a long time ago. That That's my point. Yeah. I mean, exactly right. Frank Walker, Canon 212 is a treasure of a website, especially with the headlines. <laughs> he that man has a wonderful skill for making headlines that make yeah. you click without a big <laughs> clickbait. But he has a counter for how long it's been since we had the dubia, since the dubia was made public. Oh wow! And it's is it past a thousand days? It oh, is, it's, right? oh yeah. Here, I'll I'll just go to Canon Two Twelve. I'll tell you exactly how long it is. Because again, <laughs> yeah, please, I, I'd like he's, he's doing us all a favor. Hey, shout out to Frank Walker. If you're watching, Frank, you got to come on the rundown, man. We love so, you. It's been two thousand one hundred and fifty nine days since Francis received the Cardinal's dubia on Amoris Laetitia. Oh wow. man! And it took what a day or two for them to uh, respond to the dubia about traditionalis custodis a dubia by the way that we only have their word actually existed oh yeah you, you, that's exactly right that's right we don't exactly know who sent right. it <laughs> yeah that's exactly and, right and, so, and so, the signers they're just waiting for all the signers to die and it ain't right. like cardinal burke is in great health you know well, here's, I mean? the thing. here's the funny thing though we all know we all know that uh the vatican does not like burke burke knows the vatican does not like him he doesn't want to say he's an enemy of francis i totally get it but we know they don't like you in those circles, your eminence. So, you know, just come out and say some things to encourage us more than just platitudes, you know, or encourage us to pray here and there. You know, we need some sort of pushback, uh, you know, to basically understand that, uh, you know, we're not just going to be steamrolled over, you know. So a lot of people are. You know, it's it's, it's kind of like it's similar to the United States Senate. And I don't want to, like, reduce the the hierarchy of the church to, you know, some, you know, bogus ordo Freemasonic uh, institution like the U.S. Senate. But, you know, we have one Ted Cruz and we have like one Tom Cotton and we have one Josh Hawley. And that's it out of 100 senators. You know, just a generation or two ago. We used to have like 15 of those guys or 20 of those guys or 25 of those guys. It's the same thing with the Cardinals. We used to have some firebrands who had some testicular fortitude right. who would hold the line. Do you know actually and, who, do I, do you know who I miss from, from Congress? It's not even a Republican. Oh. And I disagree with him on 99% of the stuff. But at least the guy had earned the hate of his own party. Mm-hmm. I actually kind of miss Dennis Kucinich. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I miss when Democrats were anti-war. 
and right, anti yeah. big business. Yeah. I actually miss them for that, even though they were still Moloch worshippers. I still yeah miss. Kucinich is now retired with his uh, what uh, a Russian young bride or something like that. I, I, I think <laughs> <laughs> he's probably got an FBI handler then. If I had to right. guess. It. <laughs> oh man! No, but you're absolutely right. Uh, Kucinich, you could always rely on Kucinich to basically uh, say certain things on pushback. He always pushed back against you know uh, you know everybody you know in his ranks, and he he was good for that. Uh, but now everyone, even uh, Rand Paul, you know, in the Senate is sort of, well, you know, he speaks out and then he tucks back his tail and then he walks away. That's right. Which is know, which is why that. it's kind of funny because there are some, uh, you know, sort of new Republican talking heads out there begging Trump to run for reelection with Ron Paul as his running mate. Right. <laughs> At least that would be entertaining. <laughs> that would be entertaining, you know, that's, that's hysterical. But you know what's funny, though? In 2016, I was hoping he would pick uh, Ron Paul in 2016. <laughs> you know, and if he, he, he would have he paired nicely with Ron Paul, though, because, uh, you know, Ron Paul was a Bush hater and he was a 9-11 doubter. And I, those two would have been great together. Plus, if you have a if you want a running mate, if you're running on the platform of I'm going to gut the federal government. Ron Paul is the top choice. He's the guy. He's the guy. <laughs> he will. He will be like, I have a manifesto ready. Yes, <laughs> exactly. To, to be honest, as as entertaining as that would have been, I don't know that it would be more entertaining than the grifting side. Everybody seems to have something to grift. I guess it's probably because I'm a poor monk, surviving on everybody's generosity. <laughs> uh, if you want to support a new Augustinian monastery, it's a uh, faithful to traditional religion, traditional Latin mass, uh, growing in its members, growing in its support for traditional priests. Uh, you can go to www.obusinagusta.com slash giving. Um, our work is, as you can see from two years being on the rundown, is, is simply to keep the traditional Latin mass alive, traditional faith alive, uh, Augustinian charism alive. Um, that's our goal. That's our mission. That's what we survive for. Um, we pray all day. We study all day. We do apostolate all day. Uh, so this is what we do. This is who we are. If this is something that's on your heart to, to continue to support, then you can you can visit the website that's scrolling across your screen uh, and help support us. That's it? I mean, that's all I got. James, what are you reading? What are you grifting? What are you promoting? This is the little office of the Blessed Virgin Mary. This is a great book. This is a great tool for your spiritual life. Um, if you want to grow closer to the Blessed Virgin Mary, this is a sure, fine way to do this. This is published by uh, Baronius Press. This is uh, basically Latin and English. So um, you can always, of course, try, 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 try to pray in Latin. Uh, and, uh, I, I'll tell you what this book, I've had this book for about 10 years. And each time, each time I go through this book, uh, to pray, I fall deeper and deeper, more in love with this, uh, and with our lady too, obviously. And you don't want to be talking about like the Protestants talking about salvation and then be so far away from the blessed Virgin Mary. Mm. Uh, you want to be close to her. And this, uh, little book here, this little office helps you with that. Again, this is published by Baronius Press, um, and I don't know if I can. I think this book is probably about six inches uh, in, in length, and uh, it fits handily in your breast pocket, so you can't say 
that you can't take it with you. You can't actually take this with you. And that's the reason why I love it. Travels mostly uh, when I go on long road trips or, um, you know, gone away from home. I always have this in my pocket in my car and it's a very useful tool. Um, And so go out there and get this. Do you have to wear a sport coat? to travel a little off you know we you know i i have to wear sport coats at uh very uh unreasonable times so i've never seen you not wearing a sport coat like in real life (laughs) at all hours of the day yeah it's incredible Hey, I've also got one too, except mine's from Angelus Press, and I've worn off the uh, the gold print <laughs> on the front. Mine is a preconciliar one. I don't know, James, if yours is preconciliar or not. But uh, <laughs> oh yeah, but, uh, it's 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 nineteen sixty one. Beautiful, good. Um, there's there's a modern version of the Little Office, and the language is dumbed down considerably, unfortunately. But um, I don't really have anything to grift other than you can find me on uh, you know. If you're on FedBook still, you can find there's a Return to Tradition page there, or you can uh, find a go follow my uh, Return to Tradition.org or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that kind of stuff. Good backup place to find me just as a general thing because, uh, you know, sometimes YouTube just doesn't send out those uh, notifications to people <laughs> when my video goes up, which is kind of annoying and predictable. It's so weird that, that happens, Dr. Stein. It's, it happens to you too. It's weird. Oh, yeah. You have one of the fastest growing Catholic, uh, traditional Catholic YouTube channels, and it's been growing like for two years at a steady clip. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't understand it either. When I watch my own videos, I, they, they make me cringe a little bit in terms of quality. But you know, <laughs> no, 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 no. So people are watching. People are not watching you for the for the technical quality, though. That's they tune into the rundown for the technicals. They tune into Dr. Stein for the substance. Well, I should get a I should get a green screen behind me and maybe make it whole. I don't know white, and then just get a business suit on and stand and just yell at a camera for ten minutes. I think that'll probably cause it. <laughs> there you go. So he said the magic words. He said white again. There we go. That I know. Why does it have to be white? And white. why do you have to be shouting and so angry? Where where truth and lies are trapped in a vortex of uh, monkey. <laughs> My only grift this week, ladies and gentlemen, is that I'm going to defeat Church Militant. Uh, they've reared their ugly head again. They want to depose my wife now. They're involving my wife, and their attorney just sent an email lying, literally lying about Mrs. RTF. I'm not going to stand for it. I don't care how long this takes. I don't care how much it costs. I don't care what happens. I will win in court because they have no case, and they're a bunch of lying thugs. Go to givesendgo.com slash defeat CMTV. Givesendgo.com slash defeat CMTV. If you can believe it, this has been going on for almost a year now. And very likely when it goes to trial, it will take another year. So I'll be talking about it from now until it is concluded. And I'll be giving you updates about the case and about how I'm going to defeat these lying, disordered bastards in Michigan. All right. Uh, final thoughts from the Fab Four. We'll go around the horn. Dr. Stein, what can we expect from you next week? Um, I will probably have a video tomorrow about, uh, in addition to my uh, you know, magisterial kind of document, although this is actually a Cardinal Mueller speech, so I don't think it counts as magisterial these days. But um, I have something from uh, the curious case of 
Cardinal Mark Ouellette, the arch nemesis of Archbishop Vigano. And I think most people have forgotten that he was the person to respond to Vigano's initial accusations against Francis and how the chickens have come home to roost for Cardinal Ouellette, since he now has his own court process he's going to be going through over sexual harassment claims. So that's fascinating. And uh, especially since Francis took one look at the accusations against him, was like, nah, this is fine. (laughs) 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 So got to love that reform of the hierarchy when it doesn't apply to your own people closest to you. Are you going to have, you used to have Saturday shows with the spicy meatball and everyone knows who we're talking about. Trad Patrick, is he, is he ever going to come back? I hope so. I think uh, Catholic Twitter and Catholic YouTube are much more boring places without him. And boring is not good these days. We, we need somebody who's willing to talk about Catholic ideas that are extremely unpopular and who isn't afraid to just tell you what he thinks and tell you that you're stupid if you disagree. But so, isn't that super mean? Isn't that super terrifying? He is the original meanie-headed poo-poo tread. That's what he is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I hope he goes back onto your channel. And, and if he ever comes back, I'd love to talk to him. I'd love to get his take on uh, the Biden economy and, and, and all of that. Brother Martin, final parting thoughts from another successful rundown. I think RTF Mike is waging one of the biggest and most important battles in traditional Catholicism um, today in his campaign to defeat a particular news organization from attacking traditionalist communities, um, precisely because unless they get defeated in this way, in this manner, uh, they're not going to stop. And and they actually do get in the way of benefactors supporting communities, the Oblates of St. Augustine already being one of them, that they've gone to someone who's who's promised shares to them told and you know told them show them their article whatever else or, or share with them the same information that was in the article and said this is a fake monk um all they've of, defamed you true. they have absolutely defamed you and 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 they've simultaneously and supported the canonical status of brother andre marie who exactly. has the exact same canonical status as you brother martin brother andre marie's not a fake monk. he's a great monk they love him in fact they're going to court to defend him but you they don't like you so you're a fake monk and and they took away promised shares uh, that that were going to give me, be given to the Oblates of Saint Augustine. Um, so I say that that Mike from RTF is actually waging one of the biggest, most important battle battles um, that the traditional movement will ever have to face. And so us, everybody here, even watching, all of our friends, even um, just standing back and watching, it is it isn't enough. Um, and o- honestly, prayers do a lot. Um, particularly to St. Philomena. Um, but when push comes to shove, I mean, he's posted his link. He's supposed to, he's, uh, to help him face his battle. If you can, you ought to provide um, precisely because this is what's going, going to allow you to continue to have uh, faithful priests to provide the sacraments for your families and for your, for your children for future generations. Um, so this is ultimately what it comes down to is, is the sacraments being provided um, for your families and for your children. Um, so I, my parting thoughts is completely get 100% behind RTF Mike and his family. Oh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. James, close us out, James. Parting thoughts is um, we're moving closer to uh, a state we don't recognize anymore. Uh, it's going to be easy to take uh, the wide road, but we want to stay vigilant. We want to stay focused 
and uh, we we can hurt less if we're all hurting to, together. Uh, so my uh, my thought for this coming week is uh, let's let's uh, fight against uh, these people who are sick, seek to turn this country into a hellhole, and to fight against those who seek to turn the church into uh, a devil's uh, funhouse. You know, uh, so let's uh, band together and fight in those ways in which we can uh, save our state and save the church. 